Welcome, one and all, but especially one, to Big Damn Cast. I'm Big Damn Christ. I am Big Damn Math. <laughs> Mark, Luke, and John. Act and Romans follow on. <laughs> but, uh, consider us the warm up. We've got some shit to talk about this week. Han Solo is going solo. Yeah, what's going on with that? Sort of. What's yeah, going that's going to be another one. We're also going to touch upon American Gods, so if you yeah. don't want spoilers. We're going to touch uh, all up on it. I'm just going to rub up against Ian McShane while Jillian Anderson watches. Mm. Uh, if you don't want any spoilers, then <laughs> you'll have to skip ahead, what? <laughs> and we're also going to go balls deep into Transformers The Last Night. Deeper than anyone should should go. I mean, I'm, I'm sat next to the biggest Transformers fan I've ever met. And I've met at least two giant Transformers fans in my life, like on the similar level. But I think if we're if very you, tall, I think if you fought, we're Raz, generally very tall. I think if you fought Raz, you'd win, mostly because you could like cuddle him into submission. I will cuddle you. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, considering Matt doesn't like the movies but loves the property. So we'll dive. I love that, that later. property. Plus some of your emails, you beautiful peeps. Uh, yeah. But in the meanwhile. Hansolo. Hansolo. Fill us in. Right, sir. so. Open so, us here's up and thing. fill us in. Hansolo's been shooting for a little bit. Yeah, well, he's been shooting first. And, um, he. <laughs> Phil Lord <laughs> and Chris Miller, our old friends. We know them. It's Phil Lord and Chris Miller and not Chris Lord and Phil Miller, isn't it? Yes. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I always yes. get mixed up. Um. <laughs> Just <laughs> uh, call them Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller. Lord Miller. They're, they're writing and directing. <coughs> That's right, isn't it? Thank you. Yes. I, was, I was so excited. I sneezed. Someone's right. I think Lawrence Kasdan is involved in the scripting, as is his son. He's okay. also a screenwriter. I believe they've. I'm Lawrence Kasdan, and so is my son. Um, <laughs> What's your name? Lawrence Kasdan. And your name? James Lawrence Kasdan. James Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> um, so they've been shooting, and apparently Disney has taken a look at the footage so far and gone no we're not doing your work guys uh, so go and you are free to pursue other projects <laughs> and they brought Ron Howard in to finish the film so have they been fired let go or both they've been they haven't walked they've been let way. fired they've been let fired that sums it up perfectly um, they've, they've not walked from this they've been removed from they it they might have been pushed slightly okay. possibly which is um, not good. So who who it's knows? Not a very healthy work relationship for them to be like, get out of here. Yeah. Drive them insane. Get out of here, get you kids. Yeah, Get out of here. <laughs> um. So, and one of the rumors I've seen cropping up again in like various clickbait articles is that um, Alden Ehrenreich's performance as. Han Solo has been likened to Jim Carrey's in Ace Ventura. Yeah, this terrifies me. And it seems like the big issue was the tone of the movie is what is what has turned Disney off. It doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Um, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't work for what they want. Maybe it's too funny and too wacky, which I kind of get because, like, yeah, Han Solo's a fun character, but he's not a comic character. No, oh no, like it's that makes sense to me, like. Why would you make him too funny? Certainly Ace Ventura style wacky. That's what's that? I mean, that's what even Ace Ventura doesn't like to get Ace Ventura style wacky. No, 
we know we asked him just before this. We got him on the phone. <laughs> we said, Ace, how you doing? And he said, actually, in the canon of my movies, lads, I'm dead. Yeah. Like, oh. But he's not dead, he's missing, isn't he? According to Ace Ventura Jr. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. What also is a thing is Han Solo is now adrift in space, lost without any direction. Wait a minute, no. Ron Howard. Someone has swooped in. Somebody who's been associated with Lucasfilm for decades. Yeah. He uh, made Willow. Yeah. Ron Howard directed Willow. Willow's pretty good. Um, and his name has been bandied around for a while, apparently. I was, <laughs> I was surprised to find this out, but some news sources are saying that during the 90s, when there was whispers that there were going to be uh, a, a prequel trilogy, like Ron Howard's name was bandied about a bit as one of the directors. Yeah. And his name, I remember briefly being thrown into the hat when Disney said, we bought Star Wars, we're making three new movies. And they were like, who's going to direct the first one? I remember his name was one of them that would pop up. Which is odd, because I've never had Ron Howard pegged as a genre guy. Nah, but... But I suppose neither were Irving Kirshner and um, uh, Richard, uh, what's his name, who did... Billy Humhey, who did Return of the Jedi. Empire Return, yeah. Um, Who knows? I mean, hey, he directed the most genre-y film of all. The Grinch. The Grinch. Which has been renamed since The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Well, I mean, that is what he does. Yeah, but it was weird. Like, you say to people now, it's it's, like, it's called The Grinch. They go, no, it's called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Like, no, no, seriously. Go back to all the materials from when it came out in the early 2000s. It was called The Grinch. It was just The Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, my um, God, maybe. Oh. Oh. Oh, there's your connection. What? Lord and Miller haven't been fired. They've been emergency jettisoned. And Ron Howard brought in. Because Oldenreich is thinking he's Jim Carrey for some reason. And who dealt with Jim Carrey at his most unpleasant? Ron Howard. Because all reports on The Grinch Aaron say Reich. that he was like in the worst mood making that movie because of how constricting and... and uh, claustrophobic he felt in the prosthetics. That makes the he, sort he, of sense. He had like people who deal with torture therapy for soldiers, like giving him psychological, um, what's it? Uh, like Stimulus. at the start and the end of the day. Like there was a talk, the guy who's, who deals with torture victims. Psychological. On set. Stimulus. Oh God. Um, yeah. Um, that's a, that's a maybe that's what's that. happened here. Ron Howard's been brought in to administer the carry technique. The care- Taking carry. Give him the carry. Give him the full carry. Um, Have you seen Jim Carrey recently? No, he just he, never attends my calls. He was on. He was on Jimmy Kimmel a few <laughs> weeks ago. He's like full bearded, yeah, really long hair, and basically just painting. He's just doing paintings now and spending time with himself. He, he's directed a TV show recently, a sitcom ah. about well, a comedy drama about being a stand-up um, for television. He's been doing that on the quiet. But he's basically just become a spiritual guy who paints and doesn't work. I suppose you don't need to if you're Jim Carrey at this point in your career, do you? Yeah, well, I mean, after you've after a creepy video you sent to Emma Stone is on the internet. Uh-huh. Because he put it on the internet and gets out there, you do tend to sort of get labelled as, maybe don't work with that guy. Yeah, this guy it's a bit is weird. crazy. Crazy, Jim. Um, but maybe old, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the, it's the Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus thing. You know how the demon that possessed Miley Cyrus for three years has now passed into Katy Perry? Much to your joy. No, to my chagrin, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I miss Katie the old Perry. Katy Perry. I don't like this new Miley Cyrus hybrid Gaga-esque Katy Perry. You love Katy Perry and her albums. Yeah! Her, <laughs> her wonderfully well-rounded 
big juicy albums. You're a terrible person. All three of them. Think on that. Um, oh, I've seen Total Recall. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, so I, I like think about that. Like that demon's passed from Miley Cyrus into Katy Perry. Maybe the demon that's possessed Jim Carrey for the latter part of his career, that uh, whose seed was sown within his belly in the early nineties, and that grew more unstable in real life after that, has passed on to Alden Ehrenreich. Well, you mean cocaine? I mean, we're bitter to us so simple. <laughs> that'd be, I'd, be, I'd watch a hard solo movie where everybody's just jacked up. That'd be just, amazing. Except for Donald Glover, who's just in the middle of it all going, I don't know what's going on. I just don't know what this movie's supposed to be. I don't think this movie knows what it's like, supposed to be. I just, I, why, what's, why are we having a, a Han Solo solo movie? Because I'd be up for a movie where Han Solo was a character in it. Yeah. Like, if, if this was, you know, it's a, it's a prequel in the sense that it's set before, you know, Star Wars, uh, you know, episode four. But it was just like, I don't know. Obviously, they're always going to call it in the press before a title's released, the Han Solo movie. The Han Solo movie. But from what we've seen, he's just, you know, he's one of a mini ensemble, including Lando. And and Emilia, probably not going to be very good Clark's character. Hey. Hey. That's probably true. Yes. So, <laughs> I don't know. I... I was never buzzing about this film. Now I'm, I'm more intrigued now that it's in danger. Now I'm actively not. Yeah, I mean mid shoot. It's not, very not, strange. Not mid edit, not early shoot. Like we're talking Richard Donner style shit has happened here. Yeah. Richard Donner style, get out, get out of here. You know, it's a bad look for Disney. I think this is the second time it's happened, although this is the first time it's happened with us knowing. Oh yeah, because he did it on Rogue One, didn't he? Yeah, although, although Gareth Edwards wasn't dropped, it they just was, brought in someone else for the reshoots. Brought in someone else yeah. for the reshoots, and but they had him in there in an advisory capacity. Apparently. Yeah, not 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 on set, but like so he was involved, but someone else was calling the shots. Which is odd. It is odd, but Disney are protecting their investment, which they have every right to do. Yeah, and as long all, as it leads, yeah. to, as well, long yeah. as it leads to quality movies, yeah, then yeah, you know, it's not great, but it's not. That's a, there are worse things. There are, that's a, I put that as a perfect review of Rogue One. There are worse things I could do <laughs> than go with a boy or two or three because we got rid of Lord Miller and we got Ron Howard in. Good old Ron Howard. So yeah, Han Who's Solo. <laughs> Han Solo. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Um, but you know what's not a mystery anymore. Uh, history. DuckTales! Who is Mr. Wednesday? <laughs> so we finished American Gods the season one. Yes, we did. You finished before me. Uh, but I usually man. do. I said... <laughs> <laughs> and you just suck on a cigarette for the remaining um, five minutes. Um, that's generous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Since when have you ever lasted five minutes? Trust me, I'm going to be the most incredible two and a half minutes of your life. <laughs> two and a half? Be still my beating heart. Yeah, well, it'll barely beat. I didn't even notice. Are you done? I thought you were just tickling my butt. Um... <laughs> So let's talk about American Gods. We stayed up late um, watching a terrible movie, and I think it's coming back to haunt us. It's um, definitely going back to haunt me. Oh, God. American um, Gods is beautiful. I had to wait a bit longer, because uh, I was watching it with Lucy, and she 
was knackered when we got up to episode eight and she was like, can we, can we watch this tomorrow? And I was like, fair enough. And then tomorrow became the day after tomorrow. I think we can say, though, before we get into spoilers, let's do a little brief overview of the series. I think we can say it's fucking brilliant. Go watch it. Yeah. That's a fact. That's that's it. That, that is just fact. Everyone's great in it. The cast is amazing. It looks great. The writing's really tight. Yeah, all right. It doesn't answer all your questions, but it answers plenty enough to keep you hungry for more. It doesn't do what a lot of shows make the mistake of doing and try to keep you there by asking more questions. It doesn't do a Damon Lindelof. Yeah. It's, oh, it's by just... the way, Damon Lindelof's now developing Watchmen for TV. Are you excited? <laughs> Are you excited, Chris? Are you yeah, excited that I, Damon I read... Lindelof is developing Watchmen for HBO? I read that at the weekend and was like, everything I've ever wanted out of a Watchmen adaptation is happening. But then he's writing it. Yeah. So let's put a pin in that and come back yeah. to that when that shit oh, storm eventually happens. It, the way it works um, is it's not it's not like a sort of you know a Moff- a Moffatian shall we say to pull a word out of my ass Moffatian kind of just like he does <laughs> a Lindelofian a Lindelofian uh, sort of trait where it's like oh we'll we'll add more questions here and then you'll have to come back to find out. I'm and this Linda. Is more, so is my wife. We're seeing the show through two people specifically we're seeing it through shadow moon and we're seeing it through dead wife um dead so wife. so as they're learning a bit more about what's going on we're yeah. learning a bit more about what's going on we know as much as mr wednesday has allowed shadow to know so it's you get the you get the basics because it's shadow's attitude as well is right fine i'll work for you and i want to know more but you tell me you're on good time because you, you're difficult to get an answer out of he's just difficult Plus, we as the viewers get that bonus of seeing all the Coming to America stories. Oh, yeah. Wait, they're great. They're also one of the best bits of the book. Oh, I, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I loved the last one. Oh, the... the fact uh, that it was, it, well, yeah, because it was um, told by Anansi. Yeah. Which was great because he was one of the best ones as well earlier yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Because his delivery was just phenomenal. Well, it's just Orlando Jones being... Orlando Jones. Fantastic. <laughs> so the basic premise, we've talked about this a couple times before, the basic premise of the show is Shadow Moon um, is just about to come out of prison, but he's released a few days early because his wife dies in an accident. So they let him out so he can make his way back home for the funeral. And on the flight home, or well, the eventual flight home, yeah. he meets a man played by Ian McShane called uh, Mr. Wednesday. Oh, that's what he chooses to call himself. Yeah. yeah. So who are you? What day is it? Wednesday. Today is my day. day. Also, I'm Ian McShane. <laughs> yeah, I'm freaking great. I'm Ian McShane. And my weird growl slash exhale could be heard at the end of the opening credits every week and it sounds bizarrely I, wonderful. I'm Ian McShane. This is my show now. <laughs> this is my show and you're all just in it. I, I, Batman on Batman had one of its wonderful accidental detours this past week where it was Mark Bernard on his own interviewing a friend that he brought in. Oh, and yeah. It was, uh, I can't remember his name now. He's one of the guys behind the show who used to work on... <clears throat> Sex in the City, and then I think he did some stuff on Lost. I'm trying to remember now. Uh, I know Brian one Fuller is one of the showrunners. I think it's Brian Fuller. He brought he, he brought someone on. He was also the showrunner of Hannibal, and um, I might not be Brian Fuller. It's the other guy. I don't know. I can't remember now. He brought he brought someone who works on American Gods on, and they talked about how originally they were going to cast Ian McShane because they worked with him on Deadwood. Yeah, he's going to cast Ian McShane as um, oh god, I can't remember his name now, but he's good. Oh, uh, Shinnebog. Shinnebog. They were going to cast Ian McShane as Shinnebog. That mm. he was going to offer him that role. Yeah. And they were they were friendly with him, but obviously they put it through his agent. And then his agent got in touch and said, "Yeah, Ian doesn't want to do that, but he'd like to talk about this show." Okay. So they went, "Okay, 
and he sat down and he met with him and he was like how are you doing he's like great he says so why you know if you don't want me asking why you're not interested and he said oh no i am i'm very interested it's not in that part <laughs> um, and he said oh well do you not like it he went no it's an amazing part uh it's just he's only into <laughs> okay have you thought about anyone for this mr wednesday character oh no <laughs> So he basically just like muscled his way in. But apparently at that point they'd only been in like the theoretical casting stage. They'd yeah. talked to a couple of agents, maybe. But as soon as he said that, they were like, Yes. Well, okay. It's absolutely. one of those things like once you get Ian McShane on board, this show happens. Do you know who nearly said yes to it, but they didn't get far enough in the talks because Ian McShane went into the ring? Tell me. Nicholas Cage. Oh! <laughs> oh! Now oh! Oh! <laughs> ladies and gentlemen is the sound of a man who's seen so much Nicolas Cage stuff that the mere thought of that has already solidified itself in his head and Matt's currently watching the trailer from the alternate universe in which that casting happens in his mind they did say they would have had to have tweaked the character somewhat to make that work but what? they could see him bringing that what day is it? <laughs> it's Wednesday today's my dear. My dear. <laughs> oh my god. You're, you're, my, you're my guy now, Shadow Moon. You're my man. <laughs> god. So that was nearly a thing. <laughs> That's fucking awful. It is. It's terrible. It is. But they did say that they would have tweaked the character a little bit to accompany his style. Uh, oh yeah, I could see a oh, version yeah. of that working, but nowhere near as well as Ian McShane's casting. Hell. So essentially, what happened here was fate got in the way, and Ian McShane got in the it way might have and been, made it work. You say, an act of God. <laughs> so the basic premise of the show is he meets Mister Wednesday on the plane, and he's like, "Right, I could do with I could do with a man. I could do with some muscle. Somebody to just." I need a Pretty much like not be a bodyguard per se, not rough people up on purpose, but just somebody who can be there in case things go to shit. If times get rough. So essentially what he's saying is, I need a bodyguard. And that's it. And eventually Shadow agrees after much uh much pursuing and persuasion, he agrees, I'll do it as long as you're not paying tease that shadow on me. Don't pay me to hurt people. <laughs> don't pay me to hurt people. It's just defence. Uh, just to look tough, and you've got to pay me like two grand a week. Also, he doesn't want to do anything illegal because he doesn't want yeah. to go back to prison. Yeah, and Mr. Wednesday agrees, although he sort of pushes the boundaries of that several times. Oh, yes. Uh, although, to be fair, at no point does he tell Shadow to hurt someone. When it comes down to one bit where he actually needs to hurt someone to make a point, he does it himself. Mm. Um, so that's, that's your basic premise. He's going around meeting with people of similar odd and uh, eccentric sort of states as himself. Yes. Recruiting them into what could be a war. Meanwhile, um, one Meanwhile. of the people they meet... What is his official name? Like Irish fella. Mad Sweeney. Mad Sweeney. Uh, Mad Sweeney, who's a bloke who's got lucky coins and may or may well not be a leprechaun. Spoilers, he's a leprechaun. Uh, or at least what we know as a leprechaun. He's a leprechaun. He's a leprechaun. He's a six foot six... Like tall, lanky leprechaun. Um, 
and loses, stamp your face in. Yeah, loses his lucky wrong. coin when he accidentally gives it to Shadow, who then casts it aside at his wife's funeral into the dirt. His wife wakes up. Somehow it's embedded in her and it's giving her sort of borrowed life. Yeah, she's not alive. She's not alive. She's not breathing. None of her things are working. And her flesh is slowly rotting yeah, from the inside she, she's, out. She's rotting. Uh, but it's amazing what a bit of uh, makeup from essentially Anubis can do. Yeah. Um, so she then begins her pursuit to find Shadow, who she was unfaithful to in life. Um, but has decided that he must be a one true love because now that she's back, all she can see, apart from sort of like everything in a basic black and orangey sort of vision, is him as a giant illuminated light. Yeah, he's a he's a beacon to her. So even though in life she was like a thrill seeker who got easily bored and suicidal, now in in death she's like, oh, well he must be important because he's all I can see. I've got to go find him. Like she's suddenly decided, no, I do love him. Although I don't know if she does. I think she's just sort of going along with things to see what happens. I don't know what's going on it's with It's so her. odd. She teams up with uh, Mad Sweeney to find Shadow Mr. Wednesday. Well, Mad Sweeney reluctantly teams up with her because he wants his lucky kind back. Yeah. Uh, and he said that he's either going to get it back from her when they find a way for her to stay alive, or he's just going to wait for her to rot and then he'll pull it out of her. Yeah. Um, add on to that, Shadow keeps being contacted by these other mysterious beings who appear in visions, in televisions, in, in like all sorts of weird scenarios, who are, t- are telling him, stay away from Mr. Wednesday, don't help him out, it's not necessary. Come work for us Come instead. work for us instead, like you're a good guy, come work with us. And he's like, I don't trust any of this, this is odd. I don't trust you, you vaping miscreant. <laughs> As the series goes on, Wednesday, Wednesday meets with more sort of odd people who appear to have huge unusual backstories some of them have abilities it's all just very strange but he's never really told exactly what's going on and it only starts to frustrate him by like the, well the last episode is the one where he finally just sort of is like I don't know what I believe anymore yeah I don't know what I fucking believe like, I've what seen is going so on? many weird I've seen so much weird shit happen and in fact the best conversation he has about it well there's that one at the diner in like episode 5 yeah but in, in episode 8 he sits down with a particular person in a pool next to a pool on a pool oh on a pool who's very much a, a, a modern and you know ancient fixture of belief personified and talks to him about the fuck is going on and it's great um but at no point does the series have you going like i don't get it they're not giving away enough for me to get like as it goes you understand what's happening and by the end you get a big slap in the face confirmation of yeah what you suspected is happening this is the exact reason why we'll see you next year because we're gonna have to recruit more people it's like okay and it's been confirmed for a second series um, it was confirmed for a second series before it even started airing. That's insane. how confident stars are in this show. Oh, stars Network, man. I mean, they've, they've already given series three to Ash vs. Evil Dead, so they're clearly at yeah. the minute going, we know what people like, we're going to make more of it. Um, the non-spoiler conclusion is this. If you like interesting drama, if you like freaky sort of fantasy sci-fi television... If you like visuals that look like freaking paintings and illustrations come to oh, life. Oh, there is some gorgeous it's visuals. just the lighting. The yeah. lighting in every scene makes it look like it's been painted. Hey, it's kids. Beautiful. Do you like violence? Want to see me push nine-inch nails for each one of my eyelids? American Gods is the show for you. Do you like violence? Do you want to see somebody be kicked in the balls 
and the like force of that kick knock all of their undersides up through their body yeah. and out of their head. You need to watch American Gods. Yeah. Do you want to see massive penises? <laughs> Do you want to see giant cocks? Also, the best gay sex scene I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> Do you want to see the freakiest straight and gay sex scene you've ever seen on yeah. television? Yeah. Uh, you thought teeth was interesting. Yeah. Um, do you want to see a leading a leading man who's got possibly the stupidest whimsical name ever, but you completely love it because he's charismatic as fuck and not that bad to look at, I don't mind saying. Um, do you want to see Emily Browning be perplexingly the same as she looked in Unfortunate Events? Like she looks so young. Years ago. It's odd. She looks so... And she's tiny. She she's the tiny. tiniest person that in the, the world. That is the thing. I look at her and I'm like... Violet just looks like she's a bit older in the face. That's yeah. it. She looks no different. It's really weird. Um, do you want to see Ian McShane chewing scenery and having a damn good time oh, doing it? Ian but but they hold the him back from you on at least two occasions. Oh, yeah. So you want more. Oh, yeah. There's two episodes where he's not in it. Yeah. And it's like, this is genius. Like, well done, guys. This is how you do it. We need more Wednesday. Mad Sweeney's amazing. He's brilliant. Let's get into spoilers. Let's just do it. Um... Where to begin? Let's start with let's 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 cover some of the, the the stuff that slaps you in the face, and appropriately, let's start with sexual content. Oh my my! This show's filthy. It's absolutely but it's, filthy. But it's artistically filthy. There is no sex scene that's just gratuitous it, sex. It, it Every never... sex scene is played like a choreographed routine of some kind, either, either in the direction or in what's happening on screen. It never really feels particularly titillating. Yeah, like, it's, it's not done to make you go, oh, that's hot. It's done to make you go, and... I know exactly what everyone's feeling yeah. in this scene. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, episode... <laughs> oh, God. Let's talk about the more tender stuff. Episode three is the one with the gin. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really awesome. It's gorgeous because you get to see these two fellas, like, meeting, figuring out who each other, like, is yeah. in terms of, like, their place in the world. And in one case, figuring out that the other one is, holy shit, it's a mythical being that yeah. I know of from, like, you know, myths and legends. And then it just leads to this really quiet, beautifully told, like, sex scene. Where it's like, this is sweet as hell. And then it ends in a way where you go, wait, what? What happened? Yeah. What the hell? And that's still not made quite clear as it goes on. It's left open to interpretation, but you get the basics. I think it's fairly clear well, it's clear that he's, he's, he's looking for answers. He's looking for answers, but he's been given a new life. Yeah. Is he a gin as well? No. But he has the flame eyes at the no, end, he doesn't, doesn't he? Uh, we've had this conversation before, uh, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. He doesn't. So he's looking He's looking for answers. He's looking for the gin. But he feels content now. More content than he has in forever. Yeah, because he's free from his old life. Which is just... I'm just freaking, oh. Although someone did take a shit in the back of his cab. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, uh, yeah. Is there another sex scene in it that's just sort of tender and sweet? Well, some of the some of the Shadow Laura stuff in the back in the in the back flashback. To, yeah, is like that's just normal sex. Yeah, but it, again, it's not just told as like, oh look, they're doing it. Although yeah. they do as part of the montage of her clearly growing bored with life again. They do at one point. I think in the middle of that, there's a bit where they're doing it. She just looks like she's yeah dead inside. Like she doesn't care anymore. I, that that episode makes you really dislike her. And then you kind of like her after she's, that she's because not she's not a sympathetic character. No, she's but not a sympathetic but her character. no fucks given attitude becomes quite entertaining as the yeah. series go on, goes on. Yeah. Um, uh, there's the Bilquist stuff. 
Bill Crust. Is that uh, Cliffhanger Lady? Cliffhanger. Which, like, she's introduced in yeah. episode one. Yeah, yeah. And we don't see her again until episode eight. Oh, you see oh, her, we see, we see her in episode two. Now and again, you see her a little bit here and there. Yeah, episode one and two, gratuitously. Yeah. And then episode... Episode eight. Eight set, is when set, you find yeah. out who she is and, and her story. And there's an orgy sequence that is just so creepy. But again, like, not in a... Oh, more in a... Oh, that yeah. Oh, that's what that was about, kind of way. She's ba- she's basically like a fertility deity. In episode that, that one, she grows giant sex. during sex and swallows a man into her vagina. No, she, he grows small. Does he? Though she grows big because like she's bigger on the bed, but the bed also accommodates. It's sort of like I think it's a perspective the, thing. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Yeah, because when the guy was doing it with her in the flashback at the like the the altar in episode eight. He grows bigger, like he looks bigger than her for a moment. I think then, he's just and then he and her. then he just sort of. Oh no, no, he was, but like there's a bit where perspective-wise they sort of make. Oh, I'd right. love to know how they do that. It's like it's just sexy, and you're clearly connecting, but we're going to expand one of you so that you look physically bigger as the scene goes on. Pin particles. Yeah, fair enough. Um, oh my god, it's Ant Man sex. Ant Let's sex. not even get into the ultimates. So. Um, um, uh, uh, Mark Miller. Uh, so, I mean, come on. Let's be perfectly honest. At some point in everyone's life, they go, so Mr. Fantastic and uh, Invisible Woman must have some in- interesting sex, mm. right? Mm. Um, oh, my God. Mm. Uh, but anyway, filthy that. We'll do an entire episode on that one day, maybe. No, we won't. No. No, we won't. Vote for it. So, no, don't! Um, yeah. Don't so she's, make she me. swallows people into her. And they sort of... Because she feeds off of their worship and love for her. I think there's also a throwaway line, like where they, they then go to her, they get sent to some weird, spacey place, and she feeds off their souls. Yeah, but like not in a, they're in complete bliss and ecstasy until their light snuffs out. Is yeah, the implication? I, I think I think so. Um, <clears throat> just like a good death, if well, a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, so what else? So, so the basic premise of the show, as we learn as it goes on, is that the old gods, so every god, every deity you've ever been aware of, it's kind of like as 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 is the case now in modern society like rewind 600 700 years mm. the majority of western world for example is christian and and catholic you know protestant and all that um and again like you know you go into asia you go into the rest of europe like there are religions that are very much dominant and a big part of everybody's life yeah you fast forward to now asia religion sort of is upheld a lot more but it is waning I believe China is by law atheist as well. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Oh, yeah. Like, for example, I was in India yeah. uh, <clears throat> earlier this year where I learned that there are, I can't remember the exact number, but it's it's something like 120 known religions throughout Jeez. all of India. Uh, there are eight primarily practiced ones in terms of, like, you know, widely practiced. Yeah. But we also met, like, uh, for example, uh, our, what do you call it, fixer. Uh, she was from a very religious family, but she was pretty much atheist. Like yeah. she, she wouldn't, she didn't. We, we spoke about it. She was like, I, I wouldn't say I'm atheist because I do kind of still practice my religion to a degree, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not driven by it, and I don't really use it as a guidance system or anything. I mostly do it out of sort of clarity. Like I find, I find sort of prayers as things just sort of take a moment to have a breather. Yeah, and it's like okay, so that's very much a modern reflection of. Yeah, it's so like a loosely practicing. Yeah, you know, um, she she was she was what's it Hindu? So it was loosely practicing, you know. Um, but the idea is that 
obviously all these religions had gods. Like, look back to obviously the structure of Greek life. They had like a series of god, a god for everything. And, you know, they were all up in the Olympus doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, like Christianity if, has like the Lord God and his son Jesus was sent down to atone for us. If there was enough sins. belief in it. Yeah. It was real. It was real. It is real. So American Gods is a story about how all those old gods are, <clears throat> as is evident in real life, kind of being forgotten. Yeah. And not worshipped as much. And some of them are fine with that. They've got quiet lives because they are physical deities in some form. Like yeah. they are a person or, or whatnot or several people. Um, and they're kind of fine. Some have found their way around. Some have quietly disappeared into the background. Like uh, Mad Sweeney, for example. The idea of him being a leprechaun is it's based on the old like you know Irish folklore of if you leave like presents, you leave gifts of food yeah, and stuff yeah. out for the little folk. Like they will take it and in return take care of you and it's sort of implied i guess that he's he is the little like it's yeah. him it's all him well there's the whole, um, the whole idea with the coming to america sequences those are the moments where ooh. those beliefs come from wherever they came from to america and yeah, of course hence the starts, title american gods it yeah. starts with the first the very first one we see which mm-hmm. isn't the first chronologically but the first one we see is the arrival of vikings on the shores of america who bring odin with them yes who is as it turns out, for definite by episode eight, Mister Wednesday. Yeah. Although, like, I think I mean, we talked about this in another episode, wasn't yeah. it? I was like, is is he Odin? Because there's sort of little clues. Yes. The ravens obviously become after you point out. I was like, oh shit! But I also think they became more prominent from like episode five anyway. It was like, oh look, ravens, they're in it a lot. But also, and Wednesday also from episode is... five onwards, when he gets into really sort of passionate, riled up moments, one of his eyes is a different color. Yeah. Like it wasn't all the time, but then they start introducing it more as the series went on, and I was like. Oh shit! Also people, I think, is that because he's getting more prominence? Maybe people call him by more obscure names for Odin. Yeah, in the series, like people, uh, I think Shinobu calls him Votan. Yeah. Oh god! Yeah, and, and, um, and in the last episode, he sort of sp- spouts off like all forty names. names. He's come, I'm sure come someone by. calls him Grimnir before. Yes. Episode as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just oh god! But so the stories of the old gods are sort of going out and some of them are fine with it and they just sort of wander the earth being relatively content they just sort of, some have got like abilities some don't but either way like you know they get by some have hit hard times and there are new gods forming whether they are known by people yet is sort of up in the air at this point it's not like people worship no oh this not. is such a body the god they've, of this they've become but, into, they've come into yeah. existence by people's worship of the media yeah. of technology of information yeah like mr world has come about because of the um globalization of information and and Mm. all that collective knowledge and how people you know people's use of it is as a form of prayer so mr world mr world's crispin glover yes who i really hope they get along with because it would suck if he was like not in series two he's so good (laughs) because he's one of those he's one of those notoriously Spiky. difficult actors to yeah. work with yeah. yeah so it'd suck if he didn't come back because he's he's only in like sort of two three scenes where he's got lots of dialogue yeah and he's great he's, like he's, he's awesome. spooky as fuck uh there's media played by julian uh, anderson, anderson. Oh. who's brilliant who, who basically I every mean, time what, she what appears, a gig yeah. like what a gig okay so when you appear in the next scene you're gonna be lucille ball so you need to work on your Lucille Ball impression, but you don't have to be doing just like an outright impression. Yeah. You just need to approximate Lucille Ball. Okay. Fair enough. We're going to make you up to look Lucille Ball. Okay. And the next time you appear, 
you're going to be David Bowie. <laughs> so work on a Bowie. Again, doesn't have to be a perfect impression, but as long as it's there when you're performing, it gets the point across. Also, okay. most of your dialogue is going to be David Bowie lyrics yes. and subtitles. So who was she in this? She, appeared, she was Marilyn Monroe at one point. She was Marilyn Monroe. Who was, was she at the party in the last one? Uh, she was... Because um... she's got... A, her, her sort of stuff oh. is... is, is so far focused on stars from like the uh, 50s to the 70s mostly. What do you call it? it? She was I'm trying to remember the actress. It's an actress, isn't it? Yeah. She... Oh, I'm going to have to look it up. Bye, Judy. Um, but she appears uh, sometimes on TV. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Is. She appears sometimes on TV, sometimes like, you know, in, in the flesh, but she always is represented by, I guess it would be icons, I suppose. Yeah. Like, icons yeah, yeah. of media is what she appears as. Um, then who's, who's the little. Twat. The technical boy. Yeah, what's his what's his name? The technical boy. The technical boy. That's Fair enough. Technical boy. So he's when was when was American Girl published? It was published in ninety two, ninety three. No, turn of the century was around two thousand, I think. So some of these characters are actually, <clears throat> in terms of adaptation, are better off because of the time we're in. Well, now. they're updates. For yeah, the modern, but, 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 for but in, day. in a way where I'm like, I couldn't picture his character being as douchey with, say, like, the technological mindset of 2002, well, for example. Well, it, it was released Like, now he's perfect. Like he's 2001 vaping, it was released. He's vaping, he's got, like... His look changes every time, but he's, like... He's either got, like, white guy dreads or cornrows. He's, he's vaping, he's sometimes got a man bun, he's got that weird, like faux Macklemore-esque like tracksuit stuff but with big fur coats sometimes mm. he's like in the, oh god like he's every sort of obnoxious douchebag you could think of every time he shows up he's got a different look and it just he's he's great he's absolutely brilliant um and he's a lot of fun he's also the, the only one of those three that we see do something truly heinous in episode one he sends his basically droogs yeah which is again in itself I was like are they a visual reference to Clockwork Orange? I yes. think they are. Yes, they the, are. The freaking Lynch Shadow in episode one. It's horrible. It's like his his act is basically just like, oh, when's his recruit? So, right, we'll kill who he's recruit. We'll get some information out of him. Yeah. And then we'll kill him. And the others are like, no, Shadow's a good man. Like, because that, that, that seems to be their point of view. Isn't that Mr. World? They're like, no, yeah. Shadow's a good guy. I would rather him work with us. Yeah. Than kill him. Like, he's a good man. They're, he could these, be very these, useful. These new gods are very much about... They're not They're not villainous they're... in that, like, sort of muhart, apart from maybe... What's well, it called? The technical... The technical boy, yeah. Technical boy. Um, they're, not, they're not exactly muhaha until, like, episode eight, where Crispin Glover gets, like, a flat-out few really sort of I am clearly the villain moments. Yeah. But, like, they're mostly sort of, look, this is just how... I mean, they offer a truce mid-series. What, they what, offer a what... truce to Wednesday. They're like, look, we're the new order... We can give you a place in our run that yeah. will make you worship together. Well, what you find and out that's that how they, they're winning yeah. over a lot of the old gods. Yeah. They've yeah. done it to they do they do it to Billquist. They do it to Vulcan. Hmm. They appear to do it. To, they turn up to do it to Easter in episode eight. Yes, as Mr. which is Wednesday's lovely. That's there. so good. Um, but they well, they've already struck a relationship with her. It seems haven't they? like like Mia's yeah. met with her before. Yeah. Um, but Easter's Easter's she, one of those people. She's, she's great. Oh, it's um, uh, Chris Chenoweth. What, what do I know her from? Uh, she was in Pushing Daisies. The Wicked. Was she in Pushing Daisies? Uh, I think so. I've got it in my head for some reason she's in there. But yeah, no, she's wonderful because again, the character of uh, like she's what's 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 her character's name? It's not Easter. Astaro. Astaro. Um, she's Easter basically, the original pagan festival. Yeah. 
that was appropriated by Catholicism and Christianity. Yep. Um, into you know being more being tied into Jesus and and his crucifixion and resurrection, and obviously in later years it's become about like selling chocolate eggs and chocolate rabbits, which does have ties to the original pagan festival in yeah. a way. Yeah. So because of the sort of um, like filtered down version of her original religion that she came from. She's still surviving. Like, she's still around. She's still a thing. Yeah. And that's kind of genius. So she's... Basically, she's the only one of the old gods who really is kind of in constant... Well, she's piggybacking off of the success of Jesus. Yeah. But, but, which yeah, is why but, she has a party for G- for all the Jesuses but at then, her house but, every Easter. But, they, but, yeah, but they're not, like... <clears throat> looking, I mean, we'll get into that. But, like, they're not looking at it as, like, you know... Yeah. Oh. Oh. Right. Yeah. Oh. I guess we'll give you a, a you know a helping hand. Yeah. They're looking at it as you know. I guess it's our holiday, isn't it? It's like all of us. Like all together, we're we're together on this. But as Wednesday points out, like you are so little of what you should be. Yeah. Like, and he doesn't he doesn't have any animosity or anything toward the Jesuses, but he's like, if we're if we're making it black and white. They're piggybacking off you, and you're piggybacking off them piggybacking off you. Yeah. Like, you're only relevant because you're surviving through them, and basically, if you got rid of them, you could be yourself again. You could be completely you. Um, Like, I'm sure they'd survive. They'd be fine. That was brilliant. Like, when you see the first guy who looks like Jesus at the party, you're like, oh god, is that meant to be Jesus? And then you notice that every male there, apart from a few are dudes in white or beige shirts of some kind. Or ro- some of them are flat-out robes and sandals. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are shirts and jean shorts. All different ethnicities. All different ethnicities. Like... All different sort of, like, heights and, and shapes. But all of them with beard, long hair, and at least something beige on them. At least one of them with the stigmata, because he's got loads of sweets running through the middle of his hand. Yeah. Oh, God. A couple, <laughs> of, a couple of them with massive sort of, like, back yeah. halo sort of... The, the one who shadow talks to him. is sitting on the middle of the swimming pool drinking water. Wine from the water. Drinks wine from the water, and then he puts his glass down on the water, and it slowly sinks. He goes, "Shoot!" Because <laughs> he's like, he's realised, he "Oh yeah, it it. the glass doesn't sit on the water." <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is all set up by an earlier coming to America segment, which has Mexican Jesus coming to America. Yes, and getting now, shot I've, by the border I've control. I've that until until which was a relative. I think it was the only coming to America one that was like modern, wasn't it? Yeah, like um. The coming to America segments are amazing. Well, no, because the gin was the gin one was the coming to America segment. Was it? And that was modern. Was that the start of an episode? It wasn't the start. So they're not all. At the oh, start it was during. Yeah. And um, what's nice is we find out uh, the coming to America becomes like the main narrative thread of episode seven. Yeah. Because in episode seven, we sort of the subplot is what's going on. What? What is Emily Browning's character? In what? what is it Laura? Laura. Yeah. Uh, we The subplot is Laura and Mad Sweeney making their way to... Sweeney's basically decided, like, look, we're going to pursue Shadow, whatever, like, but I'm just going to wait till she rots and then I'm going to take my coin out of her. Because he's having hor- horrendous bad mm. luck since yeah. he lost his lucky coin. But then he's also he's decided to take her to Easter. Well, I think, he, do, I think he does that after he saves after he saves Because at the end of that episode, subplot, they crash. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like her her front, which had been stitched back up by basically Anubis, is like open, and there's the coin, and he takes it. And he's like yes, and then he sort of he by this point he's obviously got a bit of an affinity with her, and he's like oh fuck, like it's the wrong thing to do, so he puts it back, and she like wakes up as though she doesn't know it happened, 
she wakes up, she's like, oh, right, okay, like, gathering her flesh folds she together. She just kicks the shit out of him. She does, because she thinks he's perving on her. Yeah. Perving on her, like, sopping to one side, ripped off breast. Ugh. Yeah, because, of course. Um, like, uh, he puts it back, and then, I'm guessing, like, he, he knows where they're going. He, oh, and he, that's, that's, I think, I think, think they've lost Shadow's Light by this point, but he's like, I, think I know where they're going. I think it's before that he offers to take her to Easter, because... I think that's where they're going anyway, because I think he strikes that bar and he's like, look, look, I'll take you Easter, I'll bring you back to life, Yeah, give him my coin back. I think that happens before that. Okay. But then he's just like, oh, no, I should I should really take her back. Yeah, in that moment, he was, he's, he's just going to leave her dead, and, and then he changes his mind, and it's, you know. Well, because as we find out, he does feel guilty, because he kind of killed her. Yeah. On the... Instructions of Mr. Winston. Yeah. Which Shadow hasn't found out about yet. That's going to be the start of Series 2. He's about yeah. to find that out. So it turns out Wednesday wanted Shadow specifically and orchestrated Laura's death for it to happen. Um, We're not entirely sure how, but I guess we're going to find out in detail when they sit down to discuss it. Yeah. Um, but we know that uh, Mad Sweeney was involved. I think it's implied that he causes the, the guy to swerve and crash. That's it, because of course, like she's, <clears throat> she she's. I feel she's tempting death at that point because episode four is a flashback story. There's two flashback episodes, four and seven. Yeah, uh, four is a flashback story of showing Laura's life because we don't really know her beside the fact she died and she died um, giving a blowjob to Shadow's best friend and her best friend's husband. Yeah, so. We know she was unfaithful in her final moments and Shadow obviously is like, I could look into this and try and find out how long this was going on, but I don't care. I'm just what, gonna yeah, I'm just gonna point? move on. What is the point now? What's like I'm point? just gonna move on, I'm gonna follow Wednesday. But then she returns, so naturally he confronts her. Um, and she's just like, Forget about it, it's not important, okay? Like we're back together now, this is great. And it's like, No, it, it, it all of this counts. You're dead. What is going on? I don't understand. But you find out in the flashbacks that like when she's giving him the blow, like the you know the one final present, basically. <laughs> oh God, it's so great. The implication that I felt, I think, I think we had a different um, interpretation of this, but the implication I felt was that she was hoping maybe it would cause an accident. No, I didn't get that because she all. was she was back to like she'd been back to covering the jacuzzi with the tarpaulin like yeah. at least once because essentially she's like is she depressed? Clearly she's definitely suicidal. Depressed, yeah. She's definitely on suicidal and she meets Shadow and he's a criminal and she sort of realises, oh, a bit of excitement. Okay. Because it seems like basically she doesn't... She's a sociopath. Uh, yeah, I to guess. To a degree. She doesn't, care, she doesn't care about other people really. Uh, she just wants a kick of some kind. She wants a thrill of some kind. Your mileage may vary on this one, dear listener. Yes. What? What? So, yeah, and Shadow is a criminal, and then when things start to settle into normal life with him and everything's happy and he's not a criminal anymore, she starts getting bored. Yeah. And then she sets up a crime, and he gets caught for it, and does time. And while he's doing time, um, she starts doing their friend's husband. Yeah. So I when, when, she's, when she's giving him the blowjob, she sort of looks like she knows what she's doing. Like, she's sort of got the eyes open kind of thing, like... She's not going for it. It's not like a, oh, here's a goodbye. It's more like a. It's very passionless. Yeah, and and I wondered whether or not she was hoping for an accident. No, but I, I, I never got that sense from it. I I, I think I would she, I would sway more toward that now because of what we found out. She the later on thinks that she knocked the thing. She knocked, I think, the gear shift or something with her elbow. But 
she, it's God, not see, the scene yeah. where she goes back to his house and like his his his, 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 his widow is there. there, and she basically just like she's screaming. She's like, "I'm. Do you mind if I have a? I use your bathroom." Basically, yeah. and she's like, "Ah!" Like a you know, friends in the in the bathtub screaming and crying as she sits down and just shits like embalming comedically food. loudly yeah. because she's you know all the embalming stuff. It's just this weird scene of like they're coming to terms with the fact that not only is a dead person alive in her bathroom, but it's the person who died at the same time as her husband because they were both unfaithful. Like, so there's so much that she wants to talk about, but it's in the scenario where one of them's crying in the shower and yep. the other one's shitting loudly. Yep. It's like, this is so good. It's great. It's a um, great show. Let, let's talk Shadow. Shadow, you, I think you told me that Shadow is a lot more um, emotionally open in the show than he's in the book. Yeah, in the book, in the he's book very, is a bit of a blank slate. It's not that he's not that he's a blank slate, but he's very he's very he's more emotionally muted. He has a he has a tighter control on his emotions. Does he ever have a moment where he sort of goes, "Oh, what the fuck is going on?" Or is he more sort of? He, he never has the outbursts he has in the show. It's, it's what I like to he's call very much more control. It's what I like to call um, Terry Pratchett casual. Yeah, occasionally you meet a character in a Terry Pratchett book in a Discworld book that's just sort of like, "Well, I suppose this is how things are." Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's sort of because. Because of course it is. It's he's the still, one He's still have trouble accepting it, but he's never as angry about it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't, yeah. I know what you mean. So, okay, I can, I can see that. But I'm glad they didn't do that for the show. Yeah. He does sort of... He keeps it all inside and deals with it. But they give us a lot more quiet moments with him where just, just through... What's the actor's name? Ricky Whittle. Ricky Whittle. Just through his face. Like, you can see so much. Yeah. He's great in this. He's really brilliant. In this. But then they, there's at least two moments in it where they just let him go, the fuck is going on? And and it's that's a lot of fun to watch. We meet lots of different characters. I'm assuming the um, Chern- like Chernobog, the three women he lives with, one is one his wife and the other two... No, they're his the sisters. Si- they're his sisters, they're okay. Sisters. Um, um, the morning star, the evening star, and the midnight star. Who's the one on the roof? Uh, that's the midnight star, Zoraya, Zoraya Poloshnaya. Was that the actress's name? No, that's the, that's the character's name. Okay, good, because, like, that's confusing. Um, um, see, the she was, was wonderful. The fact that she doesn't yeah. actually appear in it, but obviously she does. Yes. Like, he has a conversation yes. with her, but it's possible that it wasn't a physical one. Well, she's the Midnight Star, so she doesn't she doesn't uh, appear very... She only appears at midnight. Um, but I was assuming that they are... They're sort of, like, the Fates, I guess? Uh, like, uh, there's a bit of Mother, Ma- Mother Maiden Crone about them, but they're also, yeah. like... Stella, de- Stella deities. Yeah, uh, Zoria Vachea Nayaya. What's the other one called? I can't remember now. That's, that's, she's the even star. Zora Paluna Pol- Chea Naya. Yeah? Yeah. There you go. She's, the, she's the midnight star. Where's the other oh, one? God. Best of luck. Uh, the other one didn't have many lines. She was sort of given like quieter moments. Zoria Utra Nayaya. <laughs> Bless you. She's the mate. She's the mother. Um, do you think? Well, I mean, you've read the book, so you know if it happens. I suppose. Yeah. Does Chernobog ever try and chase up on on the deal that he and Shadow have made? They did make a deal. They did make a deal. They did make a deal. They made a horrible deal. They made a deal where Shadow gets to live a bit longer, but when the mission's over, if Chernobog comes along, then after it's all done, he's allowed to bludgeon Shadow to death with his hammer. He's allowed two hits. They made a deal. His bleeding hammer. They made a deal. Oh. God, it was horrible. Um, yeah, we we should we should probably crack on, but um, 
I just I loved it. It's uh, really good. I can't wait to it's see really, it really goes. good. I can't wait for the second series. I want it now. Um Do you know what I wish I didn't have anymore? Oh god, we saw Transformers the last night last night. I wish I didn't have memories of the last night. It's so bad. Oh god. So we're just gonna go all out spoiler discussion here because let's be honest, you know the non-spoiler version of a Transformers it movie. It doesn't matter. There are good robots, there are bad robots, but for some reason they play um, second fiddle to uninteresting human characters. There's a MacGuffin. MacGuffin must be found. Giant robot thing destroys a bunch of shit at the end. The end. Uh, that's the non-spoiler review. We're just going to talk spoilers. Because uh, based on box office, we're assuming you've seen it. Yeah. Someone has to be watching them. Although Please, it does have the lowest opening of any of the Transformers movies. People so are getting bored. People are getting bored of this shit. Ten years on. Um, so here we go. We have Odin Limitless cards. Yeah. So that we didn't removed pay for this. such a chunk of the guilt yeah. of, of seeing it. Because it was like, at least we're not handing them money. But at the same time... So that's yeah. two and a half hours we'll never get back. I'm glad I watched it with you because we were the yeah. only two people in the cinema pissing ourselves at the bits you're not meant to be laughing at because they were terrible. Oh, it's so bad. There was a group of lads like sort of further right of us, wasn't they, up top, who were loving every comic comedic uh. moment. And then the other 90% of the cinema were deathly quiet the entire movie. Did you notice that? There's no reaction at all. Apart um, from that back right corner. Apart from that back right, but I think that was because like it was Eid and there were a bunch of lads out all together at the cinema having fun. So do you know what I mean? They yep. were in the right mindset to just like go, yeah, woo! Yep. It was like fair enough. Like I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I wish the rest of this room was. So the basic plot, scare quotes there. The plot. Transformers: mm. The Last Night. After the events of Transformers: Age of Extinction. Marky Mark Wahlberg is now giving uh, sanctuary to a bunch of Autobots. Sanctuary! <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, giving sanctuary to a bunch of Autobots in a scrapyard. They're living off the grid um, because Transformers are illegal. Transformers are, are illegal, illegal. A bunch of... On Earth. Yep. They're oh, fine God. on the moon. A bunch of Decepticons are on the run still, but eluding the law for the most part. Well, basically, more more are coming every day. Yeah. More uh, Transformers well, are landing. Yeah, more arriving or in crashing. some way. Uh, and the government get an inkling that something big is headed towards Earth. More are coming. Meanwhile, Optimus Prime, at the end of the last one, apparently went off looking for his creators. I don't know, I didn't finish the last one. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what he, uh, he lands on Cybertron's remains... And meets Quintessa, the god of Transformers, the creator. And she's like, right, uh, so here's the basics. Go get this stuff. There's something about Earth that means we can siphon energy off of it. And um, it'll restore Cybertron. Uh, But guess what? Uh, I don't like you for some reason. So I'm going to turn you evil and you're going to be my bitch. I don't know why, because Cybertron was going to do its thing anyway. I uh... So, also, while we're there, there doesn't seem to be any other Transformers on Cybertron, apart from a couple statuesque ones that then come alive at the end. Well, the, the ones with horns. Well, the, the, the idea is that everyone, uh, after the... When, when the Civil War broke out, everyone fucked off. 
Cybertron from the dead world for years and years and years and years is the idea. <laughs> she hates Optimus because Optimus was involved in the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons long Which ago. Which destroyed the planet. Yeah. So she hates him. So she's like, I'm going to make you my bitch because I can do that, apparently. Okay. Well, yeah, she's right. Quintessa. Yeah. Notice how she doesn't do it again to anyone else? She doesn't do anything. <clears throat> yeah. So, but this was the bit we were getting confused at last night because the humans know that something is coming towards Earth. Yeah. No, I wasn't confused. You were I was confused. confused about no, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying. We're on a chat. Because that was it, that, that's that's established in like post the prologue, which we'll get into in a second. That was established in like the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And yet we see Optimus arrive at Cybertron. I think after that ten minutes. No, just before that bit begins. Like, there's a very brief bit of him spinning through space. Yes, yeah. he's around. He's next to yeah. Jupiter, basically. Um. And then he arrives and shit. La la. la. What I'm basically saying is, if Optimus has been spinning off in all this time. Yeah. Like, to, to eventually, I guess, land on Cybertron, because that's a surefire way to find Cybertron. Um, if he's been doing that all this time, wouldn't they have noticed this thing was arriving around the time of the last movie? Because I'm sure they'd be able to detect that in some way. They detect it when it enters our solar system. Right, okay. And Prime is drifting around Jupiter. So it's been in our solar it's halfway through the solar system, then? Well, it will be. It is by the time Prime... Oh, in Prime time. It's really not that difficult a no, concept, No, I know, I know, I know. I just, I just, like, it just seems, it just seems odd that they are like, Earth's core is getting colder and this thing's coming towards Earth. No, that doesn't happen. Okay. Until. Right, until okay. They okay. start so the early, early on, they know that something's coming towards Earth. Yes. And once it's like slap bang on Earth's doorstep, they go, oh shit, the core's getting colder. That doesn't happen. Which is happening until, because of right, that doesn't yeah, happen okay. until they put the staff in the I just thing want to point. I just want to point out, as, as 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 slow to the as slow to get this as I am. This is also a film where Cybertron smashes through the moon in a way that it will not be the same moon once Cybertron backs off. It will be like cracked. Oh, yeah, but Cybertron, and yet no one mentions that. Cybertron oh shit! Our oceans are about to. It doesn't back off at the end of this film. Oh yeah, it hangs in the sky. Oh, for God's it's sake. still it's stuck to earth. Oh, I've just remembered the news reports that this is part one of a new trilogy, even though it's advertised as the last one. Yeah, it's been advertised as the last one, hasn't it? Yeah, roll out one last time. Is, is the, is it's the advertised as the last thing. movie and yet they've confirmed it's part one of a new trilogy and it ends on a this is what we're doing next story point. So Unicron is Earth. Yeah, which is casually mentioned. Apparently that's also the case in Transformers Prime. Is that the Earth forms but around... But they just throw it in like it's... Like, they, right, so here's the thing. Unicron. Give us, give us like a two sentence basics of the history of Unicron outside of this. When does Unicron first appear in the Transformers movie? Transformers mythology? movie, 1986. So the good Transformers movie, the yeah. animated film. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unicron is a planet-sized Transformer. Planet-sized Transformer eats, transform- eats planets. Right, there we go. So it's Galactus the planet. Galactus the planet that transforms into a planet, also a giant robot. Cool. Has it appeared in the animated series and stuff since? Has it made uh, reappearances yes, in any way? Yes, it's appeared in, ve- in pretty much every form of Transformers since. Usually some kind of evil god that's the arch enemy of all Transformers or life. Sometimes the... Cool. So Antithesis the, of Primus, who's the god who creates the Transformers. It's the uber baddie, basically. Yeah. It's like it, there it, is it, a, it's Galactus for Transformers. There is it, precedent it is the, in, in him being Earth. Right. Because in Transformers Prime, yeah. Earth forms around a dormant unicorn. Okay. So there's precedent for it. Cool. So. They don't do anything it's with it. It's there. Okay, but it's there. 
So basically, <laughs> Unicron's a big Unicron is a big deal. Unicron's a thing that if you're making a Transformers movie, he's like something you'd whip out in number three. Maybe he'd be your big finale to the trilogy. I'm surprised it took. Holy this long. shit! It's a big deal. We've got to deal with this thing. This is the most you know biggest threat we've ever dealt with. But he's 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 a big deal, is what I'm saying. Can you remember the first moment Unicron is something we're made aware of in this movie? No. Quintessa just casually says to Optimus Prime that Unicron is Earth. We're going to Earth to siphon its energy because Unicron, he says, yes, Unicron. She goes, Unicron is Earth. So we're going to go there and we're going to siphon it. Because I remember looking at you at that moment and you just had this look in your face of, huh. Now, that is a moment that any Transformers fan, if they were going to, if you were going to announce that, holy shit, Unicron's in it and Unicron's Earth, they should do that in a way where anyone who knows anything about Transformers is going, oh, shit! Like, gearing up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is the big league. This is, this is, what's it? This is um, Thanos appearing in the post credit sequence of Avengers. Do you know what I mean? This should be something where you're like, oh, my God, like, we're going there? This is so cool. I can't wait. Yeah, Unicorn is something they're going to deal with in a future film. All we know of it in this one is some of his spiky bits have started sticking out of Earth. Yeah. Was that happening because he was going to defend... He was trying to defend himself from Cybertron coming closer? It's something to do with the energy transfer. Like, it's where... I don't know. Because there's there's a mid credit scene where basically Quintessa in human form is walking around... Telling the various research sites uh, these bits with the spikes sticking tell out. You how to like, kill him. I'll show you how to kill it. And it's like, what? Kill Unicron. Why is that a thing? Oh, oh God. Marky Mark Wahlberg is the legend. The legend. There's just no narrative continuity within itself. Michael Bay's uh, go to. Um, Fetish character this time is played by Laura Paul Haddock. Laura Haddock playing Paul Laura Haddock. Someone. Playing Vivian someone or other. Playing Oxford professor. She's an Oxford professor who can't get a boyfriend, but she dresses like... A, they make a point oh, to tell you God. that she dresses like a stripper. Uh, uh, she does her best with what she's given. She does her absolute best with what she is given, but she doesn't shine and it's because the character is everything you expect. It's Michael Bay going... See, it's not just like hot American engineer chicks. It's a British scholar. See, like that's basically what he's doing. He's going. See, I can have intelligent female protagonists, but she can't get a boyfriend. She can't get a boyfriend. Uh, but that's all right. She's cured when she sees abs. She's cured by Marky Mark, I can't a man fifteen years her senior. Marky Mark. Hey, hey. I do age love, gaps. Love, Listen, love has no number. I'm okay with age gaps. But it's it's so constant in yeah. American action movies that it's become a problem. Well, what was it in The Mummy? How old's Tom Cruise? 52? Fit, yeah, yeah. And how old was the love interest in oh, The Mummy? Oh, she's in her 20s. Yeah, there you go. And, and doesn't uh, didn't you tell me that Russell Crowe refers to him at one point as young man? Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Um. Now, oh Christ. So Marky Mark is the last knight of the title because a dying Transformer from, I'm guessing, the fallout of the fourth one hands him... No, he's, he's just crashed on Earth. Oh, I thought it was in a battle site. Yeah, but he's crashed on Earth. Oh, okay. It's an old-ass Transformer, and because he sort of tries to help it, even though it's like, yeah, he's beyond repair, it's gonna die, it gives him this medallion. It's like, you must... You know, you must 
be protect the medallion, protect the medallion something yeah. I don't know some shit and he's like no I won't do that and then while he's looking away it grows spider legs and follows him into his cab Look, it gives him a magic thing it gives him a magic thing that does a magic thing later on in the plot yeah it doesn't matter what now it's not interesting in the prologue we learn that basically Arthurian legend isn't legend it was real what England we've heard of as the, the dark, dark ages, ages. <laughs> what we've heard of as magic and Merlin and all that stuff like was real, but it was Merlin calling on the help of a crashed ship of Transformers. Monty Python and the Holy Grail meets Transformers starring Pretty Stanley much. Tucci. Oh, God. In probably the best bit of acting in the film, because he gets it over and done with, then dives off the ship pile before it's lit on fire. Um, so he hands it off to... Um, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> Anthony, I'm doing this for the check, Hopkins. And what a check it is, because he's clearly having the An best time. Anthony Hopkins was a breath of fresh air and also one of the most annoying things about this movie. No one else watching the movie is enjoying themselves at all, but Anthony Hopkins is having a fucking whale of it. He's... What's that? You want to give me some vaguely action-packed oh, sequences man. and allow me to say funny, fast-paced dialogue? And shout the word dickhead at a policeman outside 10 Downing Street. Okay, I'll do it, Michael. He just doesn't care. It's... I... You want to know, don't you, dude? Oh, God. If anything good <laughs> came out of this movie, it's that Hopkins clearly had a lot of fun. And I'm glad Oh, for he it. had so much fun. I just... Oh, God. So much fun. Mark Wal- right, so Mark Wahlberg's character, I've not seen the fourth one, all I know of him is, I think we got a Transformer. He's a he's an engineer slash failed inventor, and he finds a Transformer. Optimus, and He finds Optimus yeah. in the fourth one, and then becomes sort of caught up in it, and then like decides to help Transformers, because... Reasons. Because of reasons. So, Mark Wahlberg's entire character is basically, uh, what's going on here, you stupid fuck? What's going on here, you dumb motherfucker? What's going on here, you piece of shit? English lady. That's basically his character. He just insults everybody he talks to. Everybody he talks. Every single character, apart from Bumblebee, is on the receiving end of an insult from him at some point. Yeah. That is basically it. The Transformers. Every Autobot. Every Autobot. Again, apart from Bumblebee, because he's a bit limited in how much he can do it, and apart from Optimus... Every Autobot is a douche. Everyone's They're dick. just, hey, I'm getting bored, you piece of shit. I'm yep. getting bored, you big old dick. This is a piece of shit. I hate humans. I also hate other Autobots. John DiMaggio. Oh, hello, Steve Buscemi Autobot. Goodbye, Steve Buscemi Autobot. John DiMaggio is Crosshairs. Which one's Crosshairs? The Autobot with the coat. The British accent one. Yeah. Bless him. At least one voice actor got paid for being a main character. He's also Nitro Zeus. Oh. The Decepticons are just, I'm going to kill something. I want to kill something. I'm going to kill you. you. Know, That's you, all they say. You know what you complain about Drift being a samurai stereotype? Yeah. He's voiced by Ken Watanabe. <laughs> Ken, why? Money. Why, Ken? Money. Reno Wilson is Mohawk and Squeaks. Mohawk's the motorcycle one he keeps calling everyone mopos. Oh, no. Omar Sai is Hot Rod. Uh, Hot Rod's finally introduced. And he's French. And hates being French. Why is he French? 
Why is Hot Rod French? Doesn't have to be French. Why make he him French? He likes the accent. No, I don't. I did not choose this accent. Like, why? Then why, why does why he have French, it? Then? Why does he have it? Oh, God. It's just things happening for no reason. Megatron looks very different from how he did in the first Oh, two. God. Megatron looks... Well, that's because, oh. from what I know, Megatron's body parts were used by the government in number four to create a Decepticon for them to use. Yeah, he, yeah. And it, they call it Galvatron. But now he's calling himself Megatron again and he's made himself look more like Megatron. But, but, but it does look so weird. He's got like oh. a dumpy little round head with tusks. and. But he's voiced by Frank Welker doing, I guess, an impression of... Well, here's the thing. So Frank Welker was the voice of Megatron in the animated series. Yeah. Um, then Megatron dies and gets turned into Galvatron in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And Galvatron's voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And then Frank Welker voices Galvatron in the series after the movie because they couldn't afford to get Leonard Nimoy yeah. for the whole series. So. Now, in the movies, Hugo Weaving is Megatron. Then Hugo the Weaving three. decides he hates doing blockbusters because they're boring. Well, because he keeps doing shit ones. Yeah, well, it's you know, his agent's fault. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he quits. That's all right because Megatron's dead. Then Megatron becomes Galvatron in the fourth one. And they go, here's an idea. Let's get Frank Welker. Because we've got Peter Cullen as Optimus. Let's get Frank Welker. Because we've got the original Optimus and, and Megatron in the films together. That's kind of a smart move. Like, if you're going to do casting, you're going to replace Hugo Weaving. And the character's going to be slightly different anyway. Yeah. Get the OG yeah. Megatron. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But what Frank Welker's doing is a sort of impression of Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron. Thinking yes. back to it, like that's kind of what he's doing. I wonder if he does it like that in the fourth one. Oh, is that what he sounded when he was Galvatron in the series? Does he? He's not the same voice as Megatron. No, no he's not the same voice. Same voice. Okay, same voice so 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 he's kind of so it's not really Megatron. It's the guy who voices Megatron voicing a Megatron that's trying to sound like Galvatron. Mm-hmm. Now Frank Welker is great. He's not given much to say in this movie, but it's Frank Welker, so he's always yeah. great. Pete Cullen, who I do adore, I'm finding the voice, the voice of Optimus now. and the old voice of Eel. Um, this... Peter Cullen is not great in this movie. Optimus no. is barely in it, but when he is, he's pointless. All he does is say, I am Optimus Prime. And then something else. You just else. keep saying it. That's it. You just keep saying it. I, or, apart from the two times where he goes, I am Nemesis Prime. I am Nemesis Prime. And then at the end, he gives a big monologue to the characters. And then shortly after that, in yep. narration at the end... About courage, about, you know, like, doing what's right. It's like, what are you talking about? All you did in this movie was flow through space, get reprogrammed to be a baddie, and then help in the fight a bit at the end. Yeah. Like, what What are you talking about? Like, if only we have the courage to do what's right. Why? Why are you talking? <laughs> Bumblebee fixes his voice box somehow for a crucial emotional moment. In a movie where they spell out to you that he can't use his real voice because they don't have the right component to do it. But he does use his real voice. Yeah, but he can't. But he does. But he does. Because emotion. And then it would at least make sense if someone brought it up. Like if someone sort of went like, but how did... And it's like, yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I guess, it. you know, I guess um, love could force us to do anything. You know, just something stupid and cheesy like that could at least make you go... All right, fine. Okay, this, he this found is... a way, he found a way to make whatever he's got in his, his voice box. This is Frank Welker's original Megatron voice. Oh, sounds nothing like. Also, metal's going on in this thing. Oh um, yeah. Sounds nothing like 
Uh, sounds, oh yeah, boy. He sounds nothing like um, uh, he does in the he does in the new movies. Um, so yeah, why, why didn't you use that voice? Quintessa, god of the god of the Transformers, Fuck creator right. apparently okay. of Cybertron, okay. right? Um, in the movies, logic, she's all powerful. When Optimus first arrives, all these big cables like restrain him. She sort of basically by talking to him reprograms him. God, it's so. She bad. can wield the whole planet. She's going to siphon all the energy from Unicron inside Earth to basically devour his energy to recreate Cybertron to its fullest. Yeah. Um, put it this way. That do you know what? That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Like she she's not planning now. They don't make a point of saying if we kill if she does that to Unicron, Earth will definitely die. Did she doesn't say that? that. They make a point of it later. Yeah. But she never says that. Yeah, she does. Or does she say, like, well, well she's she like... She says to rebuild Cybertron, you have to destroy Earth. Right. But they don't describe how that works. Like, surely siphoning the energy out of the supposedly dormant, maybe dead Unicron. Well, you can't be dead because they're going to kill it. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, Unicron doesn't do anything. Like, it's not no. active. No. It's dormant. So, if you just drained all the energy out of it, surely, in terms of, like, gravitational pull... And the atmosphere and <clears throat> biology and geography and everything that's been created around him, Earth would just carry on as normal. Well, no, because what they're saying is that because they were talking about its core. The it's core, like, well, if Earth has a no, core, then the how is core, Unicron? Because <laughs> Unicron is the core. Oh God! So the core of the Earth oh, is what God. creates the electromagnetic field that stops yeah. it being fried by the sun. Right. Yeah. Okay. The core cools down. No more electromagnetic So basically, field, if they drain Unicron, it's not that then. Earth like blows up or anything. It's that everyone will burn up. They did say that in the movie. Good. Okay. Now that we actually take some time to explain that in the movie. Now that we've yeah, explained to us by Science Man, who at the beginning is treated as a comedy character, then is treated as the only sensible one, and then when the science plan fails, he's a comedy actor. Yeah, but then when the science plan fails, he's treated as a dickhead. Why did we listen to him? Yeah. 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 Because of course, love and compassion saves the day. Love, compassion. And kick-ass military. Kick-ass military. They oh, love the kick-ass God. military. So, so, so Quintessa is apparently like all-powerful, ultimate, ultimate transformer. She's the ultimate transformer being. She's invincible. She's, do you know what I mean? Like the I planet mean, has died. The, yeah. the planet has died, and she has risen from wherever she was and survived to bring Cybertron back. How she killed Matt? Uh, she gets shot in the back and disappears. Yep. Bumblebee shoots in the back. She disappears. Mm. And then he one-liners with. Sting like a bee. And it's like... Sting like a bee. You didn't, you didn't set it Sting up. Sting like a bee. But here's the thing. Sting like a bee only works if you pre... If you pre... It with... Float like a butterfly. No, sting like a bee. No, but that's the thing. Float Just like a like butterfly, a bee. sting like a bee. It's part two of a sentence. But not only that... There's no reason to randomly bring that quote out at that moment. But you, you just sting like a bee. And it makes sense if Bumblebee, like, maybe grabbed part of her weaponry. Like, if she was sort of sentiently attacking them with different parts of the, the, the Citadel or whatever they're in, and Bumblebee, like, faced one of her things towards her or something, that'd make sense. But no, just Bumblebee's regular cannon kills her. Sting like a bee. Bumblebee's cannon kills her, Matt. Did you know that Bumblebee was in World War Two? Bumblebee and Hot Rod. Bumblebee who... Now, I don't remember the first one very well, but don't they imply that he's, like, quite recently there? In the no, because he's a, he's a fucked up old car in a in a junk lot, yeah. so he's been there for a little while. Optimus and that arrive he's a forward in the first scout. one. Though, Optimus they? arrives in the first one, mm. along with it. Uh, um, I 
think a couple of them are already there. Oh, oh! Right, I rewatched the Movie Bob review of this movie today, yeah. and something hit me. So at one point, Megatron picks up Starscream's head. Yeah. And says, like, uh, you know, oh, goodbye, my treacherous friend. My treacherous friend. Apparently, Starscream has never betrayed Megatron in the Michael Bay movies. No, he hasn't. Now, he did in, Transform- oh, he did in Transformers the movie. In in, ver- in, in, in various, various media, but media, like in, in that one in particular. That is Starscream's defining character trait is that he's a conniving bastard who wants to overthrow Megatron. But that never happens in the movies. Never happens And in yet the Megatron says, my treacherous friend. Yes. So they're referring to something that never happened. Yes. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about aspect ratios and the technical yeah! aspects of this film. It's my response. I think we'll have to get into that and then not do emails this week because we'll do them next week. Because we're running short on time. Yeah, we'll catch up on emails next week, you beauties. But, um, we're, 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 I'm basically... Peek behind the curtain. I'm away next week so we'll bank in a couple of episodes this week so don't worry about your emails I'll get caught up on. Yeah, yeah. Um, send us your Doctor Who stuff and we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, long on the short, uh, it, it was on. So um, yeah, We'll talk about it on the next episode. Which is this week for us? What will be next week for you? Time. Yeah, timey wimey. So um, Michael Bay shot some of this on like red cameras and digital transfer and everything. IMAX and IMAX dual three D cameras. Definitely rigs. three different cameras. Three cameras were definitely used. At least three different types. How do we know? Because the crowd went, "Whoa, Michael, we can see the aspect ratio changing every three seconds." Because there's no logic as to which shots. A mm-hmm. shot in which aspect ratio? Because you will have dialogue scene where one <laughs> shot is shot in IMAX, and then you will cut to the reverse shot of the same scene on the other actor, and it's in sixteen nine. Yeah, same set, same location, same actors. At one point, different aspect ratios John, in the same. John Turturro is in a wide shot at a, at a public phone. Yeah, payphone in Cuba, because of course. Um, and it's in 69. Yeah. It then cuts to a close-up of his face. Yeah. In IMAX. Yeah. Why? <laughs> God knows. The only other film I could think of where, like, we've talked to, like, we've, we've brought it up before. It like, does oh, happen. Is, yeah. is, it does happen here and there, but it's never really noticeable. The only film I've ever really noticed it in is uh, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Because Nolan shot certain action set pieces in IMAX. But he shoots so in whole segment yeah. in IMAX. So in one movie, uh, in one sequence, I think that we're talking about like the Skyhook sequence. The bank job as well. And the bank job at the start of Dark, Dark Knight. Dark uh, the... The play sequence of the Rises. That's yeah. shot in IMAX. That is shot in IMAX. Um, and chunks of the car chase in Dark Knight are shot in IMAX. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of shots in there that are IMAX, but there's only a couple. Um, now, the reason why we bring these up is because what happens in those movies is you've got your letterboxing, and then all of a sudden the screen pops wide. Now, it's not obvious because a lot of these scenes are shot in quite dark lighting. Yeah. So you're not really noticing the black boxes expanding too much, except maybe if you're watching on home video, you might go, oh, oh, it just got bigger. Oh, what's happening? Uh, and that's about it. There was one point where I counted 30 seconds, remember, it was, it was the John Turturro talking yeah. to Anthony Hopkins over the phone sequence. Yeah. I timed 30 seconds. In that 30 seconds, there were 17 cuts. This is just two people talking on the phone. 17 cuts and at least five different aspect ratio transitions during that and it time. And it would make sense if, because 
John Turturro was on was on a was it a payphone. Yeah. Whereas Anthony Hopkins was on a mobile and he was moving. Yeah. So it would make sense visually for the framing of John Turturro to not change. Mm. So we have a constant within the scene yeah. that we can keep cutting back to. Yeah. While Anthony Hopkins is going is moving and changing and doing things and stuff. Yeah. But they keep changing the framing of John Turturro. Turturro's being edited like it's an action sequence as well. Everything's edited like it's an action sequence. There's a bit with a car chase in London where they go past the same street five times. <laughs> and I'm not just being pedantic there. I'm not like, oh, I could see the Starbucks in the background. We're talking like, I can't remember which building it is, but we're talking like a pillared yeah. corner of an old, large building. Yeah. Always on the left side of the screen, that part of the building. Always. Yeah. So they're going past it in the same direction. Yep. When it goes between different aspect ratios, sometimes the focus is different. Sometimes the lighting is slightly different. Now, of course, lighting can be different from based on where you're shooting, within the room, within the scene, within the location. But, jarringly, <laughs> not so much. Editors and directors are very careful. To make it feel like you're in the same moment and that they weren't shot. Well, they're not in this movie. Not in this one. Dear God. Like, there's the bit where they're in the small town that's being raided by the Decepticons trying to find them. Yeah. And they run, like, so you picture it in your head. There's a bit where they're running down the street, they run to a, a dilapidated gas station, they duck behind the petrol pumps, they look at the old church and decide they're going to hide out in there from the drones. Yeah. And then they run to it. Pretty straightforward. You could just... I mean, you could cut that scene easily by having them run into the street, look at the church and go, in there! But no, they get a moment to have a couple of comedy lines. Yeah. Scare quotes. Behind the gas pumps. With comedy character who was employed, apparently, by Marky Mark for no fee. Don't. Don't. To do stuff. Don't. don't. And at this point, they're they're with the uh, 14-year-old tech girl who was introduced early in the film as quite possibly the film's protagonist and then is sort of dumped 20 minutes in only to reappear at the end <clears throat> don't to be carried by John Goodman robot to as he quotes the front lines you know 14 year old girl with no weapons he's no earth parent with no oh god and then god and then when she's asked how she got there she says she don't she doesn't know at the final line she's like how'd you get here she's like I don't know she doesn't know like of course she knows, but it's not played as like a, I don't know, this is wacky. It's like, no, you've hidden away in a military vehicle to join us in the final yeah. fight. The military, who are for the first time in a Michael Bay movie, the villains until the last third. No, not the first time. Okay, fair play. They're often the villains, but they're always glorified. In, in this one, they sort of played like the military were definitely wrong. They, 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 they were never like Muhaha, mm. but it was portrayed as like, these guys are an obstacle. Like they've, they, they are part of the reason why we're not able to do our mission. But then in the last third, it's just like, no, we've completely turned around to your side. Yeah. We're going to save the day. Um, but it's a, the simple scene of them running towards the petrol pumps, hiding behind it, then running toward the church. IMAX, them running toward the thing. 16 hours, they duck behind it. The IMAX shot is facing the gas pumps so from behind them. We cut to... And it's moving. It's, 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 it's you know, it's moving camera. It, it is an emotion shot. Crane shot. Of, 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 of like a 69 camera going down towards the gas station as they arrive. Slightly different lighting because it's from a different, from the opposite side. Then a static 69 shot 
<sighs> of them hiding behind the gas pumps with the gas pumps in soft focus and the street as they're coming off of it behind the gas pumps in hard focus. IMAX, Dutch, ta- Dutch, like, tell <laughs> close up of one of the characters oh, talking God. to the others. It's like, what is this? What? And do you know what else I noticed? The movie never had, even though it tries to trick you into thinking it does in the second act. What's that? The movie never had a still moment. No. Ever. The camera is always moving, even in dialogue scenes. And that's the thing, if it's not physically moving, it's cutting. Yeah. To to, to give you the illusion of movement. It never stops. But in the second act, I mean, I was going to say in the expository sequence, the whole movie was expository. But in the second act, when they're at Anthony Hopkins' house and they're all learning about the mythology and all this, mm. that, and the other, where the film tricks you into thinking, it's where we slow down. It wasn't slowing down. Because they were... keep moving. Hopkins was churning. Oh, look, this is the watch that killed Hitler. Music gags with shit C-3PO robot thing. Who apparently has lived for centuries, but talks in modern colloquialisms and, and stuff. He's the butler from Dan Lammer. Is that who it was? Yeah. Oh, I was trying to figure out the voice last night. Yeah. Because... Because the, because one of the writers saw Downton Abbey and says, wouldn't it be funny if we got the butler from Downton Abbey to play the butler, the rubber butler? Do you know what? Fair enough. Yeah. That actually makes um, me smile. Um, it's a shame that he's a robot who's apparently existed for centuries, but is like, you were the coolest. It's like, why would he talk like that? Well, surely he would have, surely the gag with him should be that he has a very old fashioned way of speaking. Yeah, but if you've been around for that long, then you learn new things as you age. Then. But you also become schizophrenic there's also a transformer who apparently is from world war one like arrived during world war one and became a tank yeah and he's like the guard of the castle who we see transform and shoot once yeah and then we see him get killed very quickly who apparently has the transformers equivalent of dementia this is in a throwaway bit of dialogue by hopkins for a laugh and then it's left alone i'm sorry i'd like to learn about stuff like that that's interesting to me there's also a Spitfire Transformer who tries to transform and falls over straight away. Yeah. Because he's old. Grimlock's around. Apparently Grimlock eats cars. Grimlock eats cars now. Of and course! Dis- and disappears halfway through the movie. Yeah, he shows up as when they when <clears throat> the rest of the Autobots finally leave the um, the junkyard like, yeah. to get out there and help. Um, Grimlock appears one last time. He bursts through the floor, which is the thing he does apparently. Apparently so. He bursts through the floor and apparently his attack... Apparently, no, apparently the attack of any of them that are just animals and not vehicles is fall over onto things and yeah. then get up. That's their attack. Grimlock bursts out the ground, knocks over some military vehicles, and that's the last we see of him. So I'm sorry. Wouldn't it be handy if you had a giant T-Rex dinosaur in your final fight? Do you think maybe you should bring yeah, him Yeah, where are the Dinobots? <sighs> also, these baby Dinobots for some reason? Yep. Also, Stonehenge. <laughs> no one knows who they were no one knows what they were doing <laughs> it's spinal tap it's fucking spinal tap man it's monty python at the start it's spinal tap at the end yeah this movie does nothing but tell you things and explains fuck all it just happens to you it's like a physical assault on your senses it is a fucking atrocity of cinema there are worse films in the world oh yeah there are but they don't tend to get away with it these do it's just so aggressive 
It's so aggressive. get bad. away with being mediocre. And I genuinely have to ask, because it wasn't a full screen last night. It was probably about a third full scattered And people. I think it was only that busy because it was Eid. Because it was Eid. Because people yeah. wanted to have a night out at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have, I have to put it out there. And I might even make it a life mission to find out who is watching these movies because they want to. The back right of the auditorium. Again, I think they were just on a night out. Who is watching these movies because they want to? Who has made these movies the financial juggernaut of a success that they've been? Because I don't see many young kids playing with or going to these Transformers properties. These specific ones. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. Because I'd seen the first one, Half Awake, uh, with a small group of people who were also conscious at a house party in the morning. It was the early hours. Everyone was asleep upstairs. We were awake and we watched Transformers. And I fell asleep during the final third. I saw the second one with you at the cinema in 2009. And it was bad. It was shit. It was really bad. And then I watched this, the fifth one. And Mm. just... I've had no desire to track the others down. No desire. Who's enjoying them? Power to these people? Any movie, every movie is someone's favourite movie. And that is no bad thing. But then... But what are you doing now? What are you doing with your like, life? What, what, what is it you like about them? What is it you, We need to know. We need a to know. Because, because it's bad. On a technical level now. It's not even a case of like, oh, we just think these movies are dumb. No. Technically, this movie was They've abysmal. They've always been bad on a technical level. But like this one with the aspect ratios alone, it's like, this is abysmal filmmaking. Michael Bay can direct action, but he can't tell a story. Similar to Snyder, I would argue. Zack Snyder can direct action, but he can't tell a story. Michael Bay can tell a story, and he has told stories. Which you can find out about in the latest episode of Big Damn Love on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, But I just need to know. Tell us. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. If you want to talk about Doctor Who, we'll round up the two-parter in an upcoming episode. If you want to send us questions, have you seen Transformers the last night? What do you think? Let us know. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. And don't forget, next week, starting next week on the Big Damn channel, uh, all kicking off with uh, this Sunday's Big Damn Love episode, it's Big Damn Spider Month. So we're going to be doing now but wonderful Spider-Man content for the next few weeks. We've got some surprises in store. Please do watch. Please do enjoy. Let us know what you think. And uh, to play us out, I think it's only fair, as we got a complaint on Twitter... Uh, which I can't quite believe, but we did. We got a complaint on Twitter. What? Um, that we didn't end last week's anniversary episode with a cheat code. But, but I'm clean now, Chris. I, I I'm clean. Yes, but also, you can't... Matt. Also, though, you... algorithms. You can't algorithms. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot remakes out this no. month. So, no. if you'd like uh, to read as a cheat from Wrath of Cortex, I... don't make PS2 me do it. GameCube, don't make me do it. How do you uh, How do you get the ninth no. level cheat, Matt? Uh, if, if... If you, if you go up, up high, in, in the middle, go in circles, and aim for the ships, you should be able to hit them. But no, stop moving because you will get shot or blown up. Try to hit the guys on the small cannons. You may have to go down to that. This may seem hard, but keep trying. This level might seem harder than the next one. Oh no, I think it is good luck. Higher jump on any level. Slide His right name is Nemesis Prime. Able. It will make you jump higher than your regular And jump. he you has the Die, quickly pause gameplay before the screen turns black and select walk room. You will return to the walk room without losing any lives. Yeah, I know the police have scammed through the whole game. You can't do anything. Don't try to do it again. Don't try to do it again. There is a box with a couple of 
kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs>